0: Chapter 4 of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume 2 by Havelock Ellis. Chapter 4 Sexual Inversion in Women, Part 7. While inverted women frequently, though not always, convey an impression of mannishness or boyishness, there are no invariable anatomical characteristics associated with this impression there is for instance no uniform tendency to a masculine distribution of hair nor must it be supposed that the presence of a beard in a woman indicates a homosexual tendency bearded women as hirschfeld remarks are scarcely ever inverted and it would seem that the strongest reversal of secondary sexual characters less often accompany homosexuality than slighter modifications of these characters a faint moustache and other slight manifestations of hypertrichosis. Also, by no means necessarily indicate homosexuality. To some extent, it is a matter of race. Thus, in the para district of Constantinople, Weisenberg, among nearly seven hundred women between about eighteen and fifty years of age, noted that ten percent showed hair on the upper lip. They were most often Armenians; the Greeks coming next. There has been some dispute as to whether, apart from homosexuality, hypertrichosis in a woman can be regarded as an indication of a general masculinity. This is denied by Max Bartels in his elaborate study, Über abnorme Beharung beim Menschen, Zeitschrift für Ethnologie, 1876, page 127, 1881, page 219, and as regards insanity, by L. Harris Liston, Cases of Bearded Women, British Medical Journal, June 2, 1894. On the other hand, J. H. Claiborne, Hypertrichosis in Women, New York Medical Journal, june the thirteenth nineteen fourteen believes that hair on the face and body in a woman is a sign of masculinity. women with hypertrichosis possess masculine traits there seems to be very little doubt that fully developed bearded women are in most possibly not all cases decidedly feminine in all other respects a typical instance is furnished by annie jones the esau lady of virginia She belonged to a large and entirely normal family, but herself possessed a full beard with thick whiskers and moustache of an entirely masculine type. She also showed short, dark hair on arms and hands, resembling a man. Apart from this heterogeneity, she was entirely normal and feminine. At the age of twenty-six, when examined in Berlin, the hair of the head was very long, the expression of the face entirely feminine. The voice also feminine, the figure elegant, the hands and feet entirely of feminine type, the external and internal genitalia altogether feminine. Annie Jones was married. Max Bertels, who studied Annie Jones and published her portrait, Zeitschrift für Ethnologie, 1891, heft 3, page 243, remarks that in these respects Annie Jones resembles other bearded women. They marry, have children, and are able to suckle them. A beard in women seems, as Dupre and Duflos believe, Revue Neurologique, august thirtieth, nineteen oh one, to be more closely correlated with neuropathy than with masculinity. Comparing a thousand sane women with a thousand insane women in Paris, they found an unusual degree of hair or down on the face in twenty-three percent of the former and fifty percent of the latter. But even the sane bearded women frequently belong to neuropathic families a tendency to slight widely diffused hypertrichosis of the body generally not localized or highly developed on the face seems much more likely than a beard to be associated with masculinity even when it occurs in little girls thus virkoff once presented to the berlin anthropological society a little girl of five of this type who also possess a deep and rough voice Zeitschrift für few eighteen ninety one heft four page four hundred sixty nine The typical example of slight hypertrichosis in a woman associated with general masculine traits is furnished by a description and figure of the body of a woman of fifty-six in an anatomical institute, furnished by C. Strauch, Zeitschrift fur Ethnologie, nineteen o one, heft six, page five hundred thirty-four. In this case there was a growth of hair around both nipples and a line of hair extended from the pubes to the navel. Both these two dispositions of hair are very rare in women in vienna among nearly seven hundred women Co. only found a tendency to hair distribution toward the navel in about one per cent while the hair in this subject was otherwise fairly normal there were many approximations to the masculine type in other respects the muscles were strongly developed the bones massive the limbs long the joints powerful the hands and feet large the thorax well developed the lower jaw massive there was an absence of feminine curves on the body and the breasts were scarcely perceptible at the same time the genital organs were normal and there had been childbirth it was further notable that this woman had committed suicide by self strangulation a rare method which requires great resolution and strength of will as at any moment of the process the pressure can be removed there seems little doubt that inverted women frequently tend to show minor anomalies of the piliferous system and especially slight hypertrichosis and a muslin distribution of hair thus in a very typical case of inversion in an italian girl of nineteen who dressed as a man and ran away from home the down on the arms and legs was marked to an unusual extent and there was very abundant hair in the armpits and on the pubes with a tendency to the masculine distribution of the three cases described in this chapter which i am best acquainted with one possesses an unusually small amount of hair on the pubes and in the axillae oligotrichosis terminalis approximating to the infantile type while another presents a complex and very rare pelliferous heterogeneity there is a marked dark down on the upper lip the pubic hair is thick and there is hair on toes and feet and legs to umbilicus there are also a few hairs around the nipples a woman physician in the united states who knows many female inverts similarly tells me that she has observed the tendency to growth of hair on the legs if as is not improbable inversion is associated with some abnormal balance in the internal secretions it is not difficult to understand this tendency to piliferous anomalies and we know that the thyroid secretion for instance and much more the testicular and ovarian secretions have a powerful influence on the hair ballantyne some years ago in discussing congenital hypertrichosis manual of antenatal pathology nineteen o two pages three hundred twenty one to six concluded that the theory of arrested development is best supported by the facts persistence of lanugo is such an arrest and hypertrichosis may largely be considered a persistence of lanugo such a conclusion is still tenable though it encounters some difficulties and inconsistencies and it largely agrees with what we know of the condition as associated with inversion in women but we are now beginning to see that this arrested development may be definitely associated with anomalies in the internal secretions and even with special chemical defects in these secretions virile strength has always been associated with hair as the story of samson bears witness Amon found among baden conscripts l'anthropologie eighteen ninety six page two hundred eighty five that when the men were divided into classes according to the amount of hair on body the first class with least hair have the smallest circumference of testicles the fewest number of men with glanced penis uncovered the largest number of infantile voices the largest proportion of blue eyes and fair hair the smallest average height weight and chest circumference while in all these respects the men with hairy bodies were at the other extreme it has been known from antiquity that in men early castration affects the growth of hair it is now known that in women the presence or absence of the ovary and other glands affects the hair as well as sexual development thus heger by trege zur geburtshilfe und Gynäkologie, volume one page one hundred eleven eighteen ninety eight described a girl with pelvis of infantile type and uterine malformation who had been unusually hairy on face and body from infancy with masculine arrangement of hair on pubes and abdomen menstruation was scanty breasts atrophic the hair was of lanugo type we see here how in women infantile and masculine characteristics are associated with and both probably dependent on defects in the sexual glands plant central blood feared gynecology number nine eighteen ninety six described another girl with very small ovaries rudimentary uterus small vagina and prominent nymphae in whom menstruation was absent hair on head long and strong but hair absent in armpits and scanty on mons veneris these two cases seem inconsistent as regards hair and we should now wish to know the condition of the other internal gland the thyroid for instance it is now known controls the hair as well as do the sexual glands and the thyroid as gautier has shown academie de Medicine, july twenty four nineteen hundred elaborates arsenic and iodine which nourish the skin and hair he found that the administration of sodium cacodylate to young women produced abundant growth of hair on head again the kidneys and especially the adrenal glands influence the hair it has long been known that in girls with congenital renal tumors there is an abnormally early growth of auxiliary and pubic hair. Goldschwindt, Prager Medizinische Wochenschrift, Numbers thirty-seven and thirty-eight, nineteen ten, has described the case of a woman of thirty-nine with small ovaries and adrenal tumor in whom hair began to grow on chin and cheeks. See also CT Ewart, Lancet, May nineteenth, nineteen fifteen. Once more the gland's hypothesis also affects her growth, and it has been found by Levy quoted in archives d'anthropologie criminelle august september nineteen twelve page seven hundred eleven that the administration of hypotheses extract to an infantile hairless woman of twenty-seven without sexual feeling, produced a general tendency to growth of hair. such facts not only help to explain the anomalies of her development but also indicate the direction in which we may find an explanation of the anomalies of the sexual impulse apart from the complicated problems presented by the hair there are genuine approximations to the masculine type the muscles tend to be everywhere firm with a comparative absence of soft connective tissue so that an inverted woman may give an unfeminine impression to the sense of touch a certain tonicity of the muscles has indeed often been observed in homosexual women hirschfeld found that two-thirds of inverted women are more muscular than normal women while on the other hand he found that among inverted men the musculature was often weak not only is the tone of the voice often different but there is reason to suppose that this rests on a basis of anatomical modification at Moll's suggestion flateau examined the larynx in a large number of inverted women and found in several a very decidedly masculine type of larynx or an approach to it especially in cases of distinctly congenital origin hirschfeld has confirmed flateau's observations on this point it may be added that inverted women are very often good whistlers. Hirschfeld even notes, too, who are public performers in whistling. It is scarcely necessary to remark that while the old proverb associates whistling in a woman with crowing in a hen, whistling in a woman is no evidence of any general physical or psychic inversion. As regards the sexual organs, it seems possible, so far as my observations go, to speak more definitely of inverted women than of inverted men in all three of the cases concerning whom i have precise information among those whose histories are recorded in the present chapter there is more or less arrested development and infantilism in one a somewhat small vagina and prominent nymphae with local sensitiveness are associated with oligotrichosis in another the sexual parts are in some respects rather small while there is no trace of ovary on one side in the third case together with hypertrichosis the nates are small the nymphae large the clitoris deeply hooded the hymen thick and the vagina probably small these observations though few are significant and they accord with those of other observers kraft ebbing well described a case which i should be inclined to regard as typical of many sexual organs feminine in character but remaining at the infantile stage of a girl of ten small clitoris prominent coxcomb like nymphae small vagina scarcely permitting normal intercourse and very sensitive. Hirschfeld agrees in finding common an approach to the type described by Kraft-Ebbing. Atrophic anomalies he regards as more common than hypertrophic, and he refers to thickness of hymen and a tendency to notably small uterus and ovaries. The clitoris is more usually small than large. Women with a large clitoris, as Parent du Chatelet long since remarked, seem rarely to be of masculine type. Notwithstanding these tendencies, however, sexual inversion in a woman is, as a rule, not more obvious than in a man. At the same time, the inverted woman is not usually attractive to men. She herself generally feels the greatest indifference to men and often cannot understand why a woman should love a man, though she easily understands why a man should love a woman. She shows, therefore, nothing of that sexual shyness and engaging air of weakness and dependence which are an invitation to men the man who is passionately attracted to an inverted woman is usually of rather a feminine type for instance in one case present to my mind he was of somewhat neurotic heredity of slight physical development not sexually attractive to women and very domesticated in his manner of living in short a man who might easily have been passionately attracted to his own sex while the inverted woman is called or at most comradely in her bearing toward men, she may become shy and confused in the presence of attractive persons of her own sex, even unable to undress in their presence, and full of tender ardour for the woman whom she loves. Homosexual passion in women finds more or less complete expression in kissing, slipping together and close embraces, as in what is sometimes called lying spoons when one woman lies on her side with her back turned to her friend and embraces her from behind fitting her thighs into the bend of her companion's legs so that her Mons veneris is in close contact with the other's buttocks and slight movement then produces mild erythysm one may also lie on the other's body or there may be mutual masturbation mutual contact and friction of the sexual parts seem to be comparatively rare but it seems to have been common in antiquity, for we owe to it the term tibetism, which is sometimes used as a synonym of feminine homosexuality, and this method is said to be practiced today by the southern Slav women of the Balkans. The extreme gratification in canilingtus is oral stimulation of the feminine sexual organs, not usually mutual but practiced by the more active and masculine partner. This act is sometimes termed, by no means satisfactorily, sophism and lesbianism an enlarged clitoris is but rarely found in inversion and plays a very small part in the gratification of feminine homosexuality Kirner refers to a case occurring in america in which an inverted woman married and a mother possessed a clitoris which measured two and a half inches when erect casanova described an inverted swiss woman otherwise feminine in development whose clitoris in excitement was longer than his little finger and capable of penetration the older literature contains many similar cases in most such cases however we are probably concerned with some form of pseudo hermaphroditism and the clitoris may more properly be regarded as a penis there is thus no inversion involved while the use of the clitoris is rare in homosexuality the use of an artificial penis is by no means uncommon and very widespread in several of the modern cases in which inverted women have married women, such as those of Charlotta Ve and De Raylan, the belief of the wife in the masculinity of the husband has been due to an appliance of this kind used in intercourse. The artificial penis, the Olisbos or Baubon, was well known to the Greeks and is described by Herodotus. Its invention was ascribed by Swedes to the milician women and militus according to aristophanes in the lysistrata was the chief place of its manufacture it was still known in medieval times and in the twelfth century bishop burckhardt of worms speaks of its use as a thing which some women are accustomed to do in the early eighteenth century margaretta lincoln again in germany married another woman with the aid of an artificial male organ the artificial penis is also used by homosexual women in various parts of the world thus we find it mentioned in legends of the north american indians and it is employed in zanzibar and madagascar the various phenomena of sadism masochism and fetishism which are liable to arise spontaneously or by suggestion in the relationships of normal lovers as well as of male inverts may also arise in the same way among inverted women though probably not often in a very pronounced form Moll, however narrates a case Contrera findung eighteen ninety nine pages five hundred and sixty five to seventy, in which various minor but very definite perversions were combined with inversion. A young lady of twenty six, of good heredity, from the age of six, had only been attracted to her own sex, and even in childhood had practised mutual cunilingtus. She was extremely intelligent and of generous and good natured disposition, with various masculine tastes, but on the whole of feminine build and with completely feminine larynx during seven years she lived exclusively with one woman she found complete satisfaction in active cunilinctus during the course of this relationship various other methods of excitement and gratification arose it seems for the most part spontaneously she found much pleasure in urolagnic and coprolagnic practices in addition to these and similar perversions the subject liked being bitten especially in the lobule of the ear and she was highly excited when whipped by her friend who should if possible be naked at the time only the nates must be whipped and only a birch rod be used or the effect would not be obtained these practices would not be possible to her in the absence of extreme intimacy and mutual understanding and they only took place with the one friend in this case the perverse phenomena were masochistic rather than sadistic many homosexual women however display sadistic tendencies in a more or less degree thus dr kennan tells me of an american case with which he was professionally concerned with Dr. Moyer. See also paper by Kiernan and Moyer in Alienist and Neurologist, May nineteen o seven, of a sadistic inverted woman in a small Illinois city, married and with two young children. She was of undoubted neuropathic stock, and there was a history of premarital masturbation and bestiality with a dog. She was a prominent club woman in her city and a leader in religious and social matters as is often the case with sadists she was pruriently prudish and there was strong testimony to her chaste and modest character by clergymen club women and local magnates the victim of her sadistic passion was a girl she had adopted from a home but whom she half starved on this girl she inflicted over three hundred wounds many of these wounds were stabbed with forks and scissors which merely penetrated the skin this was especially the case with those inflicted on the breasts labia and clitoris during the infliction of these she experienced intense excitement but this excitement was under control and when she heard anyone approaching she instantly desisted she was found sane and responsible at the time of these actions but the jury also found that she had since become insane and she was sent to an insane hospital after recovery to serve a sentence of two years in prison the alleged insanity dr Kiernan adds was of the dubious manic and depressive variety and perhaps chiefly due to wounded pride the inverted woman is an enthusiastic admirer of feminine beauty especially of the statuesque beauty of the body unlike in this the normal woman whose sexual emotion is but faintly tinged by aesthetic feeling in her sexual habits we perhaps less often find the degree of promiscuity which is not uncommon among inverted men, and we may perhaps agree with more that homosexual women are more often apt to love faithfully and lastingly than homosexual men. Hirschfeld remarks that inverted women are not usually attracted in childhood by the autoerotic and homosexual vices of school life and nearly all the women whose histories i have recorded in this chapter felt a pronounced repugnance to such manifestations and cherished lofty ideals of love inverted women are not rarely married moll from various confidences which he has received believes that inverted women have not the same horror of normal coitus as inverted men this is probably due to the fact that the woman under such circumstances can retain a certain passivity in other cases there is some degree of bisexuality although as among inverted men the homosexual instinct seems usually to give the greater relief and gratification it has been stated by many observers in america in france in germany and in england that homosexuality is increasing among women there are many influences in our civilization today which encourage such manifestations The modern movement of emancipation, the movement to obtain the same rights and duties as men, the same freedom and responsibility, the same education and the same work, must be regarded as, on the whole, a wholesome and inevitable movement. But it carries with it certain disadvantages. Women are, very justly, coming to look upon knowledge and experience generally as their right as much as their brother's right, but when this doctrine is applied to the sexual sphere it finds certain limitations intimacies of any kind between young men and young women are as much discouraged socially now as ever they were as regards higher education the mere association of the sexes in the lecture room or the laboratory or the hospital is discouraged in england and in america while men are allowed freedom the sexual field of women is becoming restricted to trivial flirtation with the opposite sex and to intimacy with their own sex having been taught independence of men and disdain for the old theory which places women in the moated grange of the home to sigh for a man who never comes a tendency develops for women to carry this independence still further and to find love where they find work these unquestionable influences of modern movements cannot directly cause sexual inversion but they develop the germs of it and they probably cause a spurious imitation this spurious imitation is due to the fact that the congenital anomaly occurs with special tendency in women of high intelligence who, voluntarily or involuntarily, influence others. Corella, Bloch, and others believe that the woman movement has helped to develop homosexuality. See, for example, I, Bloch, by Trage zur Etiologie der Psychopathia Sexualis, 1902, volume 1, page 248. Various feminine strength-birds of the woman movement, as they have been termed, displayed marked hostility to men. Anna Ruling claims that many leaders of the movement, from the outset until today, have been inverted. Hirschfeld, however, Die Homosexualität, page 400, after giving special attention to the matter, concludes that, alike among English suffragettes, and in the German Verein für Frauenstimmrecht, the percentage of inverts is less than 10%. End of chapter 4